God forgives us. Shouldn't we forgive each other? Here's Pastor Al Pittman. The knowledge that we have been forgiven, even though we may be facing consequences of our actions, just knowing that even though maybe people haven't forgiven us, that I'm forgiven by God, the knowledge of that forgiveness enables me to forgive other people. As disciples of Christ, followers of Christ, disciplined ones of Jesus, we must understand that forgiveness toward one another is interwoven with our connectivity, if you will, our intimacy with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Dwelling place, dwelling place, dwelling place. You are my dwelling place, dwelling place, dwelling place. Calvary Worship Center in Colorado Springs welcomes you to the dwelling place with Pastor Al Pittman. Today we begin the final message in Pastor Al's mini-series titled, Healthy Church Fundamentals. There are several phrases that us human beings find difficult to say. I'm sorry is a tough one for a lot of people, and another one is I forgive you. That'll be Pastor Al's focus today, forgiving one another. When you think about it, if we as a church body were stubbornly refusing to forgive each other, it would make for a very strange meeting every Sunday morning, wouldn't it? to say nothing of the example we'd be setting for the world to look at. Here's Pastor Al with today's study. Well, we're continuing a series of messages. This is the third installment and the final installment, three-part message with the title of Healthy Church Fundamentals. Uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about uh, loving one another. It's a fundamental of our faith and of the church in serving one another. Another was last week, and today we will talk about forgiving one another. I think this is a revolutionary message. If we can get a hold of this in our hearts, the church will be transformed. Forgiving one another. We'll get to Luke chapter 17. We'll be looking at verses 1 to 10, but before we get there, I want to share a few other scriptures with you. So hopefully you're ready to take notes. There's a Spanish story of a father and son who had become estranged, the son ran away, the father set out to find him. He searched for months to no avail. Finally, in a last desperate effort to find him, the father put an ad in a Madrid newspaper. The ad read, Dear Paco, meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. On Saturday, 800 Pacos showed up <laughs> looking for forgiveness and love from their fathers. Next to love, forgiveness is one of our greatest needs, I believe, as human beings. As believers, to truly understand forgiveness we must begin at the cross with our own forgiveness. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 that in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Amen. At the cross, we discover the fullness or the fullest expression of God's divine love towards us. And Micah gives us another verse about God's great love and forgiveness. 
where it says in Micah chapter 7, he will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Aren't you glad about that this morning? That in Christ our sins have been cast into the depths of the sea. The writer of the book of Hebrews also quotes Jeremiah, another promise of God's forgiveness. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. The writer of Hebrews says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. He's quoting Jeremiah 31, verse 34. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. The Lord says, I will remember no more. Hallelujah. The glorious hope that we have in Christ is that in him there is everlasting forgiveness found only in him. And Jesus made that plain when he said in John 14, 6, that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. The forgiveness that our hearts long for cannot be found in wealth and riches and fame and power. can only be found forgiveness for the soul through faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Thus, pointing out to you, the reason I point those scriptures out is that we know that we have been forgiven through Christ. And the forgiveness that we have experienced in Christ is really the basis for our forgiveness toward one another. When it comes to forgiving one another, and people are re- resistant to forgiving one another, all they need to do is look at the cross and remember how God has forgiven them. Forgiveness is liberating. It, it releases both the offender and the offended from the con- confines of a self-made prison. Having said that, forgiveness does not release us from consequences. If you commit the crime, they say, you must do the time. And so there are consequences to our actions. Even King David, when he sinned with Bathsheba, was forgiven by God, but there are consequences related to David's actions. However, the knowledge that we have been forgiven, even though we may be facing consequences of our actions, just knowing that even though maybe people haven't forgiven us, that I'm forgiven by God, the knowledge of that forgiveness enables me to forgive other people. As disciples, we must understand, disciples of Christ, followers of Christ, disciplined ones of Jesus We must understand that forgiveness toward one another is interwoven with our our connectivity, if you will, our intimacy with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our connection with the Lord, in other words, is uniquely connected to one another. We must forgive. Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, he said, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against Anyone, anyone, forgiven, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Pretty plain and simple. And yet we gloss over it many times in our lives. If you do not forgive others, God says, the Lord says, the Father will not forgive you. No matter how great your gift, no matter how talented you are, no matter if you can hit those high notes, 
play those drums or whatever you do or serve or lead, if you cannot forgive others, it will impact your relationship with God. When you're aware of an unresolved offense with another brother or sister, you must deal with it. Or your gift, whatever you offer to the Lord, will be unacceptable. Now, there are times, having said that, that there are believers. I've met believers who are unwilling to reconcile. I've met believers who, uh, you know, don't, will, never, will not forgive another believer. Or better yet, you know, in marriages, many times there's offenses or whatever, and there's an unwillingness to forgive one another. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, it reminds us that as much, that's Romans 12, 18, is not on the screen, but Paul says, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Amen? Not some men, all men. In other words, if you have done your part, as much as depends on you, you're not responsible for their part. You can't make someone love you. You can't make someone forgive you. You, you have no control over what people think of you or what people say about you, but you can do your part. As much as depends on you, do your part. Forgive. In Luke chapter 17, Jesus calls class into session and teaches us all a lesson about forgiveness within the body of Christ. And the lesson that he teaches us here is essential to the, what I call the functionality of our common, our common faith. The functionality of our common faith, you know, you show me a, a, a fellowship of, of believers or even a marriage where people are unwilling to forgive one another, I'll show you a dysfunctional family, a dysfunctional church where God's people are unwilling to forgive one another. If we're going to function together to the glory of God and our communal faith, our unity in faith in Christ, then we must be willing to forgive one another. Amen. Luke chapter 17, I want you to read along with me. I will read verses 1 to 4, and then we'll finish the rest of it, get down to verse 10. But here's what our Lord says. The bell's ringing, class is in session on forgiveness. Then he said, Jesus said to the disciples, it is impossible, it is impossible, it is impossible <laughs> that no offense should come. But woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Verse 3, take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent. You shall forgive him. That comes straight from our master's lips. And note three things here that Jesus says that are important for us to point out real quick. This is pretty obvious, but number one, that it is impossible that no offense should come. It's impossible. I don't care how wonderful and how you pledge your love to one another when you first got married, you're going to have offense. Oh, it's going to be wonderful. We're just going to, it's going to be you know, roses and lollipops and no offense will come. It doesn't matter how enamored you are with your new church fellowship. Oh, I love the music and the pastor. Oh, he's so wonderful. And hey, I can get uh, you know, a latte before service. This is great. Offense is on its way. 
Amen. And people leave churches for all kinds of reasons. Offense. It's foolish when you think about it. For us to think that imperfect people can have perfect relationships. We're all imperfect. And yet we want perfection out of other people. We place unrealistic expectations on other people. Nobody is perfect. Marriage is a perfect union. A husband and wife, two become one. But there's still offense. Because you have two imperfect people in a perfect union. And there will be offense. Jesus says, it's impossible. Now, if Jesus says it's impossible, believe me, it's impossible. I know what Jesus said, but uh, I'm pretty perfect, you know, whatever I mean. No, it's impossible. Pastor Al will be back with part two of today's message titled, Forgiving One Another, in just a moment. The Dwelling Place is a listener-supported ministry. Your consistent financial support enables us to keep this radio ministry moving forward. To make a one-time donation or to become a monthly supporter, just go to cwccs.org or text the word GIVE to 719-354-2778. You can also send a donation through the mail to The Dwelling Place, 501 Castle Road, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80904. And on behalf of Pastor Al, thanks for your support, both through donation and through prayer. Now here's Pastor Al to finish up today's message here on The Dwelling Place. Offense will come, but what we do with the offense is what matters. Of course, the famous quote from Lou Holtz, I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, but it's worth repeating. He said, quote, life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you respond to it, close quote. Isn't that the truth? What we do with offense is what is the difference really between a spiritually healthy church or relationships or an impoverished church or relationships in Christ. The second thing that Jesus points out here that I want to bring your attention to is that he he addresses the offender. Woe to the person through whom the offense comes. Responsibility is assigned to the offender. In verse 2, he says, it would be better for that person to have a millstone hung around their neck and to be cast into the sea. Better for them to have that done to them than to offend one of these little ones. Of course, you know, a millstone, many of you know that a millstone was a flat stone on which grain was placed and crushed as other stones rolled over the grain. A millstone tied around the neck was a phrase, an ancient phrase, an ancient proverb that the disciples were familiar with. But it was even a part of punishment that people actually had millstones tied around their neck and thrown in water. It was a form of punishment as well. So when Jesus said it's better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck, they're like, wow, that's pretty gruesome. That's pretty cruel. He says it's better for that to happen than for you to offend one of these little ones. How important is that to Jesus? Jesus issues a stern warning, if you will, against what I call the casual offender who sees their offense, their sin against a fellow believer as nothing. A lot of people do that, and they casually sin against other people and all, and, and, and it's not just their actions, but in gossip and slander. The Lord says, you know, oh, you know, you know if you do that, then, then what you're doing is you're really doing it to me. We think, oh, no, I, I, I'm talking about that person. I'm talking about Pastor Al. I'm talking about this person. No, God says, no, you're talking about me. You are slandering that other fellow brother or sister in Christ. Jesus takes it personally. 
He said, for you to do that and to say, well, it's no big deal. Or some people, they, they sin against people and they go, well, you got to forgive me. You know, the casual offender thinking that somehow they've gotten away with it, but Jesus will deal with you. There's a warning here that we should take heed of or take heed to regarding the casual offender. It's very important to Jesus. Be careful what you say about one another and what will you do. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, my brethren, he's talking about you cistern too. He's talking about those in his family. You've done it also to me. No, I was talking about something. No, you were talking about me. Then you walk in here and worship me. You see, it's very important to the Lord. Be, be careful. Woe to, through, to the one through whom this offense comes. The third thing I want you to see here that Jesus says, if he sins against you seven times in one day, then comes to you and says, forgive me, you shall forgive him. Even if it's up to seven times in a day. Now, I know some of you wives came in with husbands who are on their sixth strike. Amen. <laughs> and you're thanking God. You're saying, wow, it's right here. I've got scripture. I need to forgive him seven times. And he's on number six. One more time today. And I'm going to let him have it. You know. <laughs> well, let's, let's look at the whole counsel of God's word. Amen. Matthew chapter 18, Peter comes to Jesus and he said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? Now, the maximum for the Jews back in that day, uh, the limit for forgiveness, forgiving somebody in the day was three times. So when Peter said, should I forgive him seven times? He was just showing Jesus, oh, how gracious he was. Uh, Lord, up to seven times? You know, thought he was impressing Jesus about how gracious he was because the maxim was only three times, according to Jewish tradition. And the Lord's response reveals to us and to Peter that it's not the number of times you forgive. It's really the attitude of your heart. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 22, Jesus said to him, responded to Peter when he said, how many times should I forgive up to seven times? Jesus said, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now, thank God for my math teacher. That's 490 times in a day. Here's a little caveat for you. If God expects you to forgive 490 times in a day, how much more is God willing to forgive you? How many of you have forgiven somebody 490 times in a day? Nobody. You may feel like it's 490 times, but you really... <laughs> no, Peter, not seven times. 490. It's about the attitude of your heart, not the number. Because if it was just seven, well, we'd be counting, wouldn't we? All right, that's one. <laughs> Amen. Jesus presents, goes on here in Luke chapter 17, he presents a two-step remedy for those who have been offended, those who've been sinned against. It's not 
Go and tell your friends about it or stew about it for 20 years. Two simple steps. If the Lord was doing seminars today, they'd be the shortest seminars ever. Two steps. The first step is this. Rebuke them. Someone offends you, then you rebuke him. That word rebuke doesn't mean you go up and start yelling at them. It means to admonish them. It means to charge sharply. In other words, this is an important matter, and you're serious about it. In other words, I think the Lord is saying here, when he says rebuke them, I think he's saying be the friend that Scripture tells you to be. We rather not. And then in Matthew chapter 18, of course, again in Matthew 18, is where Jesus says that if your brother offends you, go to him. Now, let me just say this in the age in which we live. Go to, to someone that offends you is not email them. It's not text them. It is go to them face to face. And may God forgive us. And if you're guilty of it, you need to quietly repent. For believers who go on Facebook to talk about other believers or the pastor or other churches, that's demonic. I've got some stronger words, but I can't use them. That's demonic. It is an offense to God that we go on Facebook with the, with the rest of the world, like Peter warming himself by the fire as Jesus is being condemned and denying him. And that's exactly what we're doing is we're denying the Lord. No, it says, go to your brother, rebuke him, Jesus said. Because you're a friend. That's what friends do. Proverbs chapter 27 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. If you're a real friend, you care about that person, and you see that they're probably engaged in something that's an offense not only to you, but it could potentially be harmful to them, you would go to them to stand idly by and just not say anything. You're not a friend. You're an enemy. Stop kissing up to them. You speak the truth in love. Hey, bro, you know, that, was, that was offensive. I'm not talking about touchy-feely. You, know, you, you hurt my feelings. If I told you the truth and it wounded you, good. I'm your friend. But I said something, some off-colored joke or something that really offended you. You know, you, know, you did let me know. Because I may not be aware of it, or I just don't care, which is a more serious problem. But Jesus says, go to that person. If you're a friend, the kisses of an enemy are deceit, deceitful. What does that mean? That means someone who's always telling you what you want to hear is not your friend. Amen. This has been The Dwelling Place with pastor and author Al Pittman. You can listen to today's message again, watch the video version, or download an MP3 with a simple click. Just go to cwccs.org and click the Messages tab at the top of the page. And while you're checking out our website, be sure to download the Calvary Worship Center app for your device and take Pastor Al wherever you go. The Dwelling Place is also available at oneplace.com. And I would also like to ask you to take a few moments today to send Pastor Al an email and let him know that you enjoy the dwelling place on this station. That would be a great encouragement to Pastor Al and all of us here at the dwelling place. You can also share a prayer request with us and we'll count it a privilege to pray for you. Just send an email to amen at cwccs.org. Let me also remind you in closing that the dwelling place is a listener-supported outreach. We count on your support to keep this radio ministry going and growing. If you'd like to join our support team with a one-time gift or on a regular monthly basis, you can do so at our website, cwccs.org, or by texting the word GIVE to 
If you live in the Colorado Springs area and are looking for a church home, or you'll be visiting the area in the future, we invite you to come join us for worship here at Calvary Worship Center. You'll find directions and more information at cwccs.org. And no matter where you are, you can watch our services via live streaming right there at our website. Have a wonderful day in the Lord, and join us for another study in God's wonderful Word, next time on The Dwelling Place with Pastor Al Pittman, presented by Calvary Worship Center in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Dwelling Place.